I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one time service, Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E.com slash ETM. Go to joindeleteme.com slash ETM and use code ETM for 20% off. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. As many might know, right now, the world of finance is being turned upside down. Prices are going through the roof. Your money is being evaporated daily. But there is a way for you to be able to save and maintain your buying power. Enter Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a decentralized, censorship-resistant technology that allows you to save your money because it's the best savings technology we have. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Come to Game, where we flip the script on the old-school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick? Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna. 
money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. Welcome back to the show. This is going to be a great episode. In a time when inflation is running wild, rent prices are surging, loads of money has been printed, and the world is changing rapidly, Bitcoin has emerged as this new currency that is gaining some serious legitimacy. In fact, did you know this? There is 21 million in Bitcoin, and that is all there will ever be. Experts have said Bitcoin could trade at a million dollars by 2030. But regardless of where Bitcoin is headed, what I can tell you is that this digital currency is certainly something to learn more about. Our guest Paul McNeil is a tour de force when it comes to Bitcoin. Paul has been aware of Bitcoin since 2011, and he has methodically followed it daily. He pulls together the most relevant news articles, blog posts, videos, podcasts, and social media mentions to create Crypto Watch, a daily brief sent before 9 a.m. EST. By the end of this episode, you are going to learn what Bitcoin is, who created it, why are we having such wild swings, how much is Bitcoin maybe going to be worth, and the question you really want to know is, do I need to invest in Bitcoin? I'm so thrilled to bring you this episode. I'm Shauna Compton-Game. This is Millennial Money. Let's head into the conversation. Well, Paul, I am so excited to have you join us on the podcast today. This is going to be a fun one. So thanks for being here. Hey, Shannon, thanks for having me on. I am super excited. <laughs> so we're, we're going to talk about Bitcoin, hopefully roll our sleeves up a little bit and where we are currently right now, uh, this last weekend, things kind of went a little a little wonky in the Bitcoin cryptocurrency world. I think there's a meltdown of somewhere around a trillion dollars in, in value. And uh, I have been into Bitcoin and cryptocurrency for quite some time, kind of from afar, looking at it, obviously, for the show, wanting to really explain this to, to listeners. And there are a lot of uh, critics that talk about there is an actual value to crypto. So when these highs and lows happened, uh, they're kind of like, yeah, of course this is going to happen. So I, I just want to throw this out to you because you're the expert. Is there truth to this, that, that Bitcoin and crypto, are they all speculation and hype? No, no, not at all. And it's easy for people to uh, assume that based on the media coverage. Right. Um, mainstream media has a way of communicating certain things about this market without really having a full understanding. So I will say right off the bat, all of it is not speculation. And Bitcoin is definitely the place to focus. So help us understand then a, a little bit deeper what actually is happening right now in the world of Bitcoin before we really dive into like what Bitcoin is and all this. You know, what is happening right now? Sure. As you mentioned, um, we are in the midst of what some analysts are trying to determine if it's what's called a bear market. And that's where the market has, in fact, declined. We saw an all-time high around $68,000, and that was late part last year. And since then, we've seen a steady decline all the way back down to somewhere in the neighborhood of about $37,000. I, I believe this run, I think we got as low as thirty-two. 
So a lot of people looking at this market, they're probably like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> Losing trillions of dollars in value. You know, oh, my God, this. Why would anyone ever want to touch it? And if you look at the history of this asset, this has happened many times. This is nothing new. This is par for the course. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, it is definitely par for the course. And I think it's really important to point that out. I love that you talked about that. And doing a, a little research for this this episode and, and reading a little bit more about you, you have this great uh, brand called The Crypto Curator. And you also say you've been in Bitcoin or interested in it since 2011 and that you, I love this, since followed it methodically daily. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about like, how did you get interested in Bitcoin? Yeah, I uh, I tell people, and it, this is until this year, unfortunately, I took some time off social media, but I used to literally live on Twitter. Like if you didn't <laughs> see me on Twitter tweeting like every second, it's like call the ambulance, right. something's wrong with Paul. Uh, so while I was on Twitter, I came across either Max Kaiser or Trace Mayer. These are two well-known names in the industry. And one of them said something about Bitcoin. I believe it was Max Kaiser. And I was like, Bitcoin, what is that? And so I started, like I always do, searching things, right? So I began to search and I came across the Bitcoin white paper, a paper that I recommend everyone read. It's only about nine pages, so mm. it's not a long document. And after reading that, I was like, ooh, this is really interesting. So I started staying tuned in. And so 2011 was the time that I came across this. And uh, my former business, we used to what's called curate news information every day from most of Capitol Hill part of the White House and Fortune 500 companies. So when I saw this, I used those skills and I was constantly every day searching for news and information on Bitcoin. And that grew into, in 2017, I launched a newsletter uh, about Bitcoin. Interesting story. Wow. Tell us a little bit more about the, the white paper. Like what what's in there? Yeah, what people need to understand, and this is the challenge with Bitcoin. Bitcoin can be a lot of things, and, and it's especially money. And if you understand money, which your show talks a lot about, um, money goes through what they say three stages. First, it becomes a store of value. Then it becomes a medium of exchange. And then it becomes a unit of account. Right now, Bitcoin is just working on the store of value narrative, and it has been a store of value. And people say, well, how could something volatile like this be a store of value? I tell most people, let's go back to 2008, 2009, when this thing was first created. Fast forward to 2022, Bitcoin has went from $0 to $37,000. If you ask me, that's a store of value. Uh, has a really great store of value. So if you were fortunate enough and crazy enough to put money in back in 2008, 2009, until today, you've got a lot of money. Um, and then it goes to medium of exchange where people can actually exchange it for things, whether you're buying a cup of coffee or whether you're buying, you know, shoes or a house or cars or what have you. And then things get priced in that asset. So you say a cup of coffee would cost you you know, a thousand Shatoshis, and that's the smallest unit of a Bitcoin. But yeah, that that the white paper talks about this. It's called a peer-to-peer -peer electronic currency or electronic cash. And a lot of people say, well, it's not that. Correct. Not today. It will be soon. So that's mm -hmm. what the white paper talks about. 
I have so many questions. Um, <laughs> okay, so now we understand when Bitcoin was created, but do we know who created it and, and why they created it? So the story goes, it was created by a fictitious name of a person called Shitoshi Nakamoto. <laughs> of course, right? <laughs> exactly. And the crazy thing is, is there's a guy named Doran Shitoshi Nakamoto <laughs> that happened to be on Time Magazine because people raided, raided his house, you know, well, not raided his house, but they went to his house thinking he was Shitoshi Nakamoto, completely ruined this guy's life. Oh, no. <laughs> but, oh my gosh. <laughs> But he's not Shitoshi Nakamoto. So what we believe is Shitoshi Nakamoto is a group of people because when you really look at this technology, there's no way one individual came up with this. And the reason I say that is if you go listen, when, if you go watch some of the document documentaries on Netflix about Bitcoin, banking on Bitcoin is one of the most popular ones. It talks about the cypherpunk movement. There were a lot of people working on digital currency, digital cash, um, Nick Zabo, uh, Hal Finney. There are so many names of cypherpunks that were working on this type of technology that I'm sure they had something to do with this. What we don't know. So right now it's just a fictitious person. I, it's it's both fascinating and also like one of those things that makes you go like hmm like like really you know I mean it's it's like prepping for this episode I was talking with my husband who's kind of like the the ultimate skeptic if you will of crypto and nice. he's like I don't get it like I don't understand why. Uh, who created it? I mean, it was fictitious. Like why? I mean, he just every single question, you know, and I'm like doing my best from like a naive perspective to explain it. But even myself, I'm kind of laughing, you know, as I'm explaining it, because I, it, it, it sounds, it does sound like kind of this, this made up story. So, you know, one of the questions I want to ask you is you explain kind of where we are in the Bitcoin movement, but for people who are listening why should they care about Bitcoin? Like, why is this something that we should even learn and educate ourselves about? That really is a great question, Shanna. And here's what a lot of people have to get their minds around when looking at something like this. It's money. And if you're creating money in our world that we live in, there's only one entity that gets the privilege to create money. And they're called the Fed, yes. the central banks, they have the authority to create money. And so when someone comes along and says, hey, I'm going to create money, they're like, uh, yeah, no, you're not going to create money. So <laughs> this is why Shitoshi is fictitious. Could you imagine if we knew who created Bitcoin, that person would be in front of Congress, that person would be, you know, getting sued left and right, the person would be getting fined by the SEC. I mean, there'd be so many issues. And so what Shitoshi whoever they are, figured out was, let's, if we stay anonymous, there's nobody to go after. And if we make this truly decentralized and Bitcoin is the only decentralized asset. And what we mean by decentralized is that everybody who is mining Bitcoin or if they're a node in the network, they control Bitcoin. No one individual, no one individual country, no one individual government. There's no entity controlling this. This is free global access to this network. And so it's censorship resistant. No one can censor it. As a matter of fact, you've probably seen news about China banning Bitcoin. Not yeah. true. 
Russia banning Bitcoin. Not true. As a matter of fact, Putin came out today and said, guess what? Uh, we're not going to ban it. We're going to regulate it and we're going to figure it out. So he told his legislative body, go figure out how to control this thing, but we're not going to ban it. That's for sure. Um, India's tried, um, you know, all countries have tried to ban and they all come back and say the same thing. We will regulate Bitcoin because you can't ban it. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, how would they, even if they said they were going to ban it, like how would they actually practically do that? Can't, they can't. As a matter of fact, so when China kicked out all the miners, supposedly, we saw what happened. Bitcoin market cap fell. It's hash power is what they call it, hash power. It fell, but the network stayed up 24-7, 365. So what that tells you is all the miners left China and they went to Kazakhstan. They went to Russia. They came here to the U.S. So you can't stop Bitcoin, even if a country decides. We're even, they, even in Kazakhstan, they cut off the Internet. Still didn't stop Bitcoin. <laughs> Right. <laughs> That's fantastic. It. It's fantastic. So so I know for those people that are skeptics, like, you know, some fake person create this. So but but here's back to the deal. So it's money. It's about money. So inflation is running out of control. The central banks are printing trillions upon trillions of dollars. And in the Bitcoin white paper, in the first block of the Bitcoin blockchain, there is the front page of the article that Chancellor's on the brink of bailout. And this was a solution to central banks globally printing money out of control. You can't do that with Bitcoin. There are 21 million. That's all there ever be. It's written in the code. No one can change it. And so it's a way to have really hard sound money. Interesting. Okay. So 21 million. So there will be, like you say, no more printed from that. So is it because it's only limited to to that amount that it has some of these wild swings? Yeah. It, 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 it Well, the wild swings are basically the market playing around with this asset because it's still such a small asset. I mean, a trillion, two trillion dollar market cap is nothing, right? They can push this market up and down so fast. It'll make your head spin. The big money people, they know how to play the game. And that's what they're doing with this asset right now because they can. And volatility is their friend. They want it to be volatile. That's how they make money. They buy and sell, buy and sell. So they need the price moving all over the place so they can make tons of cash. So that's the way to look at it from that. But that 21 million fixed is because, again, Shitoshi Nakamoto and their brilliance, this is just pure math. The way the system works is that when it first started, every 10 minutes until, to the, until this day right now, every 10 minutes, Bitcoin is introduced into the monetary system. So what happened is that in the very beginning for four years, 50 Bitcoin every 10 minutes was given to someone to secure the network. And then they have, excuse me, they have a script written so that um, that reward gets cut in half. And they call that the halving or the halving. Okay. So it went from 50 Bitcoin to 25 Bitcoin. And then in four more years, it went from 25 to 12.5. And in four more years where we are today, it's at 6.25. So right ah. now, every 10 minutes, some miner will get 6.25 Bitcoin for protecting the Bitcoin network. Okay, so tell me tell me what it means to actually mine Bitcoin because I have a lot of friends that say that they do this and I don't quite understand it. 
Yeah, it can get really technical, but I'll try and keep it so it's not technical. So as I mentioned before, the job of a miner is to secure the Bitcoin network, to make sure that there are no fraudulent transactions happening on the network. So in order to do that, Shitoshi Nakamoto and the brilliance came up with this process where you have to run um, these algorithms. And if a person's familiar with technology and algorithms, is basically trying to solve a puzzle, trying to solve a problem, a math problem. And if you solve the math problem properly, you get Bitcoin. So think of it like Sudoku. Okay. To do a Sudoku map or whatever you call the game, to do the Sudoku, it takes a long time for you to actually fill all the blocks out and make sure all the numbers are right, right? Yes. But then for someone to verify that you did it right, they can do that in seconds, right? It doesn't take a lot of work. Okay. So in Bitcoin, they call this proof of work. So what the miners are doing is that they are doing they're proving that the ledger is correct by working and they have to expel energy to do that. And this is where all the ESG people get up in arms about how much energy Bitcoin network uses, which is a fraction of what the traditional finance system uses. But they go through all this work, burning electricity and solving these problems and whoever solves it correctly, which means they verify that all the transactions on the ledger is correct, they get rewarded. All right. I, th- I think I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. And it's, it's far more complicated than that, but that's just a way for the average person to sort of get their head around it. Thank you for breaking it down into English. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. it. Uh, You're welcome. So uh, you, you talked about the traditional money system that we all familiar with, with the fed and the central bank, and that we've got some obviously issues right now. We got inflation we printed a lot of money for those listening who are maybe thinking, yeah, but does that actually like impact my daily life? Like how do those things really show up like person to person for us to actually feel them and understand why maybe creating another currency makes sense? Sure. So what the average person, and and even me, I didn't think about this stuff until I started getting into Bitcoin, like never would I thought about it. If I go to the store and I buy milk at $1.65 a gallon, I think, hey, I'm buying milk at $1.65 a gallon. Who cares? And then if I have to go pay $2.65 a gallon, the average person still really doesn't say anything. They're like, oh, so I'm paying $2.65 a gallon for milk. And the prices went up. But what they don't understand is that if you're making a certain amount of money, and if the prices are increasing so drastically that the amount of money you make can't keep up with that increase, that's a really big problem. Rent right now is going through the roof. I rented my place. I had a small place and I pay a certain amount. Well, when I talk to the front office, I'm like, hey, if I were to renew my lease, how much would I have to pay? It's a significant jump. And so I'm like, okay, that's interesting. But prices are on the rise. And what people have to understand, unless your salary is rising at the same rate or higher, you're losing and you're becoming poor every day. Mm. Bitcoin, on the other hand, is a hard currency and it's deflationary, which means as prices, well, as, as, as more people get into this network and as more people are buying in because there is a fixed supply, the price of this asset rise, which means your buying power rises. So if you're storing your wealth in Bitcoin, you're actually making money and it's 
far exceeding inflation, which means you're staying ahead of it, building up your wealth. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Okay, listen, like many of you out there, I love Notion, our sponsor today, and I honestly use it every day for my notes and journaling. I also track our family expenses. And I manage all of our household to-dos. Notion has been such a lifesaver in helping me get a lot more organized because that's not one of my strengths without stressing me out. Notion is a place where any team can write, plan, organize, and rediscover the joy of play. It's a workspace designed not just for making progress, but getting inspired. Notion is the AI-powered workspace that can summarize things like meeting notes and automatically generate action items and help you get answers to questions in seconds. It will honestly blow your mind. Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company, you're a freelancer, you're starting a startup, or you're a student juggling classes and clubs, or you're somebody like myself that just really wants to get organized. Try Notion for free when you go to notion.com etm. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash etm, and start turning ideas into action. And when you use our link, you are supporting our show, notion.com slash etm. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because, let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard, 
You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. Right. Okay. So then thinking about it just a little bit further, obviously the the federal government controls the... I should say, you know, how much money is worth, I guess, right? So $100 mm-hmm. today, you know, and in, in t- next year is probably not going to be the same value exchange. We're not going to be able to buy the same products for that that currency. So then thinking about Bitcoin, like who is actually out there determining the value? Like how do we actually place value on Bitcoin? If that makes sense, if I'm asking that yeah. correctly. Yes, yes. No, that, that's a great question. <clears throat> it's called stock to flow from what I understand, and I'm not super good at this, but there's a certain amount of Bitcoin in circulation. There's a certain amount of energy being consumed, certain amount of miners being purchased, certain amount of time being devoted to managing all of this. And that network has built up a certain value and the market has placed a price on how much is in circulation how much the stock is out there and how much it's flowing. And they come up with the value for what Bitcoin should be. Um, When Bitcoin first came into existence, it was worth zero. And then one day, um, and I'm going to mess up his name. I think it was Hal Laszlo or Laszlo. I forget his last name, but I think it's Laszlo. He went online and said, hey, if someone will buy me pizza, I'll pay you 10,000 Bitcoin. And that was one of the first transactions that actually gave Bitcoin a value because it showed Mm. that someone was willing to exchange value for this virtual currency. And so that set in motion the ability for people to buy. And so the equation I tell most people, what you have to remember, it's really simple. Robert Breedlove came up with this equation. He said 21 million fixed supply. That's we know that that's fixed. And 4 million are probably lost forever. In the early days, people didn't pay attention and lost their keys. So let's just say you got 17 million fixed supply plus massive demand. And macroeconomics tells you if you have something that's fixed supply and you have a huge demand, the number must go up. That's why they call this number go up technology. And so over time, you have your fluctuations, but over time, the number's going to go up. 
Interesting. Okay. That makes sense. I get it. Yeah. I mean, the first time I learned about Bitcoin, if I would have bought in then, <laughs> Ooh, I know, right? I'm so happy right now. I mean, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> You know, you can say that about almost anything. Same thing with Amazon. Same thing with Google. True. But true. Uh, yeah, and, so frustrating. <laughs> and here's the crazy thing, Shanna, is that people don't understand. I, I think it was Mark Yusko who said he coined this term. He says the Star Spangled Banner hasn't even it just. He said it just ended. The Star Spangled Banner just ended. And if you've ever been to a game when the Star Spangled Banner ends, the game starts. So the game hasn't even started yet. What people don't understand is Kathy Wood from ARK Invest came out recently. I think it was yesterday or today. And what she and her team has said is that um, Bitcoin could very well reach a I think it's I think it's a what, what, what was the number? Let's see. Yes, it could trade at a million dollars and Ethereum could trade at one hundred eighty thousand dollars by the year 2030. Now, that's only eight years away, eight small, quick years away, a million dollars, 180. So if someone bought it today at $37,000, and let's just say she's right, it's at a million by 2030. In eight years, someone could retire if they wanted to, if they invested in this digital asset, not financial advice, (laughs) but if they looked at it, Right. Yeah. Twenty thirty is what they're predicting. Now, are these predictions going to be correct? Probably not. Uh, but she gives you her logic as to why she thinks that's going to be the case. So then, thinking about Bitcoin as an investment, if if it's something that we're interested in, of course, not giving financial advice here, but if it's something that we're interested in, we're curious about. How do we rationalize these kind of wild swings that are happening? So that either we we ride these out, or is it something where we're getting in and getting out of Bitcoin? Like, how are we sort of building a framework around investing in Bitcoin? Yes. So there's a couple <clears throat> terms, couple ways to look at this. Um, they have a term called DCA, dollar cost averaging, and they sort of rope that into what I call automated monthly purchases or weekly purchases. Um, DCA, let's just say a person had $10,000 and they're like, you know what? I believe this whole Bitcoin story and I want to put 10000 in Bitcoin. I would recommend that they would take and split that up into four chunks, 2500 bucks each. And you buy 2500 bucks one week, buy 2500 bucks next week, buy 2500 bucks next week, and so on. And all of a sudden in a month, you've now got 10000 in, but your average cost has been normalized because you did it in four weekly timeframes. Or some people can say, you know what, Ah, this story might be true. So I'm going to commit a small amount every week or every month. And there are platforms that let you do this automated where you just set it and forget it. Set it. 25 bucks every week into Bitcoin. I'm going to walk away. Hmm. Come back in 10 years, right? What people have to understand is that they want to try to see the million dollars next week. Not going to happen. Sorry, not going to happen. <laughs> You're pushing uh, a bubble here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It takes time, right? It takes time. So look at this. And again, like you said, not financial advice. I would tell the average person, do your research, but look at it with a very long time horizon because you know that we have these huge cycles. So give yourself three to five years. Give yourself five to 10 years and see what happens by consistently putting your money to work in it. So how, how do we do the research? Like, are there, obviously you are a huge resource. What sort of resources should we be reading about, looking into, learning about to really educate ourselves? 
Yeah, there is a lot of great. You're correct. This is what I do. This is why I do what I do. I started in 2017 because I was like, you know, I want to do two things. Keep people away from scams because there's a lot of them out there. Please, people never send your money to people under no circumstance for any reason, including myself. Uh, And then the second one is so that they have a trusted source that someone's going to put the right information in front of them. So I have my website, which I'm currently in the process of doing a switch to a community platform where I send alerts. Um, but then there are some really great YouTube channels, Altcoin Daily. Those guys are constantly doing the news every single solitary day, and they put out really good content. They curate the news well themselves, and they talk about projects to consider. Um, I would say uh, there are great podcasts out there. Anthony Pompliano has a great podcast where he is constantly talking about the issues going on with Bitcoin. He has great guests on. So listen to some really good podcasts or watch some good YouTube videos or read some good news articles coin telegraph coin desk there's tons of places but that's what i try and help people do so do you think the i want to talk a little bit about the the future of bitcoin uh we obviously talked about you know some speculations on on the value but we see a lot of big companies now uh saying that now they're going to make either bitcoin or other cryptocurrency as a method to pay for things like companies that i never thought would you know jump into this game uh-huh. Where where are we going with this? You know, are there going to be more and more places where where cryptocurrency is going to be a legitimate currency exchange? Like, where do you think we go? Even in the next, I don't know, two three years. I do. I believe we do. What people have to realize is that we're going through a financial transformation. Um, everything's going digital. Uh, and as things go digital, a lot of people say, well, our money is digital today. I swipe my credit card. That's digital. True, it is, but it's not like programmable money, which CBDCs, which are central bank digital currencies, things like Bitcoin, things like Ethereum, these things will be programmable money, which means that you can say, like if the government wanted to, the government could come out with their CBDC and they could say, hey, we're going to give you $2,000 a month and, you know, um, you know, money, basically, uh, a basic income, right? We give you $2,000 a month in basic income because there's no more jobs and you have to take and get money from the government. But they can program that money to say 30% is going toward your living, 50% is going toward your food, and they can code that money. So that's the only place you can use it at, right? Digital currencies open up a brand new world to how we're able to use money. And so I think that's going to happen. The Lightning Network for Bitcoin, it's being used today. That's how you can zip money from the U.S. to El Salvador and at no cost. And the person in El Salvador will get 99.9% of that money. Whereas today, if you did that with Western Union, they'd get 80%. And it would take them weeks. Now they get it within seconds and they get the whole thing. It's amazing. Interesting. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless. 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club, a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. From Foreign Policy, I'm Rena Nainen, the host of the Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women. Over the past few years, we've looked at how women around the world are changing societal norms to increase their economic power. This season, we're focusing completely on girls, how they're pushing for a brighter, more powerful future, and what the rest of us can do to set them up for success. Join us for stories about girl power, young women who are fighting for change, to give themselves a chance to live a life of their own choosing. That's season six of The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women, wherever you get your podcasts. So do you think we're going to get to this point where we're going to essentially have legitimately these two different methods of, of payment for most things? Um, I don't think it'll be two different methods. Well, if you think about today, we have a lot of methods to pay for things, true, right? True. I can pay for something with a check or a credit card, or I can send a wire or, you know, there's multiple ways. Now, will there be different assets? Yes. Even today, like I reserved a hotel, but I did it with my points instead of using cash, right? right? So we have to think about it in that fashion. This is just another method of you paying for something. And I think it's going to run parallel to the US dollar. Interesting. So I think this point in time where we're at is is this curiosity point, right? Like what you're saying is is get the knowledge, you know, maybe start if it's something that you feel is part of your financial plan, start investing a little bit in. It's something you're going to hold for a little bit of time, but this is also that that curiosity time to learn about something kind of stretch your brain in a different direction than we were just used to you know, the, the kind of normal exchange of, of money. And now with technology and everything, this is coming on and this is really changing the game. So we're kind of like in this new frontier. 
We we really are. And <clears throat> there's a podcast. If your listeners will search for it, uh, they can search uh, Bitcoin, the best savings technology, and put Mark Yusko's name next to it. It's an interview he did with um, the Crypto Conversation, uh, Andy Pickering from Brave New Coin. And he talks about Bitcoin being the best savings technology. And what I've been trying to encourage people to do is, again, listen, I'm not asking anyone to put their life savings into this without understanding it. But I tell them, take a little nibble, right? And some of this, the great thing about this industry right now is you can get a lot of money free. Like if you were to get, let's just say um, Voyager, which is a great platform where they allow you to earn yield on your digital asset. If you referred someone to them, they would give you 25 bucks and they'd give that person 25 bucks. So a lot of people say, well, it's 25 bucks. Well, yeah, but it's 25 bucks. And if you did that with Cash App and you did that with Strike and you did that with Coinbase and Coinbase has an earn program where if you go through these courses and they're small courses, I mean, it'll take you, you know, 15 minutes. They'll give you free digital assets. So go earn a lot of these assets for free and you're not committing any capital at all. You're just earning free crypto. <laughs> Love it. Love free stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, who doesn't, right? Right? <laughs> Even if it's small. Hey, one day it might be big. <laughs> hey, you know, and we've got you to thank for it. Yeah. So to put a little period here on our, our conversation, just kind of looking even forward to, to 2022, what do you think yes. if we're listening right now or a couple of things we need to know or just remember about Bitcoin, like even for this year? Yes. So for this year, and now start off talking about numbers because that's what everybody likes. Um, the sentiment, this is not me, this is the sentiment across different people like Kathy at Ark Invest, Anthony Scaramucci, um, Mark Yusko, Anthony Pompliano, um, Justin Timmer from Fidelity. Uh, I can go on with all of the analysts out there. The sentiment still is that we'll end the year 2022 at $100,000. Let's again say they're right. What should you do if that is a real possibility? And just to give you an example, granted, we're not talking $100,000, but had you invested in Bitcoin January 27, 2021, the price of Bitcoin was $30,000. Today, it's trading currently at about $37,000. So, you would have made $7,000 on your money in one year. You can't do that with stocks. So what people need to understand and what I believe is going to happen is we will continue to see this huge volatility swings. We have three major things that's impacting this market. Geopolitical, the Ukraine issue. Will we go to war with Russia? Don't know, but it's definitely looking possibility. The second, the Fed. The Fed's been very hawkish. They said they're going to raise rates in March. Will they be able to? Will the economy turn down and they might have to say we can't raise rates or will they maintain raising rates and continue to exacerbate the market? And the third piece, of course, is Omicron and this whole coronavirus thing. How will that impact businesses? How will that impact the economy? So those three headwinds are really strong. So we will see some tough market conditions. But I believe there's going to come a point to where that's going to evaporate and Bitcoin will, in fact, continue to soar. And so you will very well come back this time next year and say, wow, look, Paul, we're over 100,000. I'd be like, yep, that's what we thought. <laughs> All right, Paul. So that's a date. We are having you back this time Yay. next year for sure. <laughs> 
Listen, I would love for you to tell everyone listening, where can they go to find you and connect with you? Great, great. You know, I had taken a sabbatical from Twitter for the month of January. I'm almost done. I am sweating. I can't wait till Monday. (laughs) (laughs) Your fingers are like getting crept, right? (laughs) They're going crazy. But I'm on Twitter at underscore crypto curator. That's underscore crypto curator. That's me. And as I mentioned earlier, I've launched a community platform. If anyone's familiar with community, it really is a great SMS texting platform. And so what I've done is I've created different categories where I'd like to keep people up to speed. So I tell people if they want to be the first to know if they text the word crypto to 214-380-2013, then whenever I see something, I'm going to let them know. And if they say, hey, I'm interested in mining or I'm interested in regulation or I want to know what's going on with the analyst or, hey, what about these altcoins? They'll get that news right to their phone. No additional apps, nothing like that. Straight to their text. I'm just so blown away learning there's only 21 million Bitcoin in existence and that's all there will ever be. I don't know. Just something about that is is really interesting. But honestly, it's hard to encapsulate a takeaway from this episode. I learned so much, and I hope you did as well. Paul really knows his stuff, and after the interview, he of course agreed to come back on the show to dig a little bit deeper, because I still have so many questions. Until then, head over to the show notes for all the links to everything that Paul mentioned. And if you enjoyed this episode, share the love and pass it on to a few friends who are also super curious about Bitcoin. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com, where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode.